Okay, uh, let's see. So we're going to do a short presentation. So let's see. Um, I have a web page called creationism.org. It started about 25 years ago uh, when I was on the West Coast uh, in Oregon. And anyway, it's a long story. Then I lived in Berkeley for five years, spoke to atheist groups, and uh, did a wide variety of things. I've lived overseas twice in my adult life. I was in Germany in the Army for about two and a half, three years. And uh, then uh, I lived completely separate. I lived in Japan for five years in Tokyo. Speak, used to speak Japanese pretty well. And uh, when I started creationism.org, I started getting things translated into lots of different languages. Okay, so I'm going to fast forward here. Been in Evansville about, I think, 18 or 19 years now. And um, about six or eight months ago, I decided to organize a creation leaders conference and to dig down in Texas because many of the creation leaders are getting older. They're in their 70s and 80s and are not um, uh, not being replaced. Younger people are not, not very many young people are stepping up to the plate. So I'm trying to get things preserved. I want things saved. I want things translated. I want them out in the world, no matter what happens to America, no matter what happens to me, no matter what happens to the Internet, get things out. So that was, that was then uh, the prayerful genesis of this trip. I had T-shirts made. So the front says uh, Creation Leaders Conference and Dig, Glen Rose, Texas. And on the back, the middle word is dig. Can you read, can you read this? That's right. I dig dinosaurs. Okay. So I had a whole bunch of these printed up. And uh, at the conference, it was purposely for leaders. When you have the average, the general public there, you're answering so many basic questions, you don't get to the, any of the advanced topics. You don't get to really uh, get past the basics. Uh, so, so many believers believe in evolution. Uh, I do not. I do not have enough faith to believe in evolution. Can I ask? I just, I just want to, because we have a variety of people here, could everybody please raise your right hand? Please raise your right hand. Wiggle your pinky. Stop. Wiggle your ring finger. Stop. Wiggle your middle finger. Stop. Wiggle your forefinger. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, and then wiggle your thumb. Wiggle all your fingers. Put your hand down. Okay, I have a question for you. Just a minute ago, your fingers were moving. Why were your fingers moving? You are inside a shell. It is a very sophisticated biochemical electrical shell. If I told you I had a car outside and it was 25 years old or 30 years old, I've never changed the oil, never changed the tires, never changed the fan belts or anything like that, and uh, just giving it fuel uh, regularly, uh, and it runs just fine, uh, how many of you would believe me, 25-year-old car? How about if I told you it was 50 years old? Okay. How about if I told you it was 50 years old? But yet the human body is self-assembling, made of 100% biodegradable parts, partially self-repairing. Year, uh, fifth, there's many people who are 50 or 60 years old who have never had major surgery. We fell together by accident? Does anyone have enough faith to believe that? I, I don't. Anyway, there's many uh, evidences for uh, creation, that creation really is literally true. The earth is young. I'll just give you one more that I really like. I think it's funny. Um, uh, okay, so evolution uh, is descent with modification. That's the belief, that there is descent with modification. So you have, you have progeny, progeny going on down, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren going on down, and that they then are modified, and that's part of evolution. Okay. Oh, no, I, I have that on purpose. 
Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. It's okay. And then, uh, okay, so uh, evolution believes in descent with modification. Things that do not help with the next generation or after that should be weeded out, should be gone, right? Homosexuality in our world is an evidence for creation theory, isn't it? Because by, by definition, it doesn't produce any, any uh, offspring, right? So the fact that there are homosexuals is yet one more evidence for creation theory. Isn't that, isn't that funny? It is kind of funny, isn't it? Okay, I consider it kind of funny. Okay, uh, and, so Andy and I uh, both went down there. There's about 30 people. Most of them were authors, speakers, or uh, creation group leaders from around the U.S. A couple of people from Canada came down. We had videos from Australia, from Russia, Sweden, other places in the world. My plan as I am organizing these, and that's my, what I'm doing full-time now, is to organize these uh, videos is to put these online and uh, make them available for people around the world. So, um, so there's only there's about 30 of us, which was a good-sized group. There was so much networking going on. Okay, Dave, can you show the title here? <laughs> so I'm Paul, and that's Andy, who's hiding in back there. I don't blame him. Andy and Paul's excellent adventure. Wow, man. It was great. Whoa. Okay, let's go to the next slide, please. Okay, uh, so at the end of April, last full week of April, we were in Glen Rose, Texas. Next slide. Which is here. Here's Dallas, Fort Worth, about here. Glen Rose. We, of course, are up here. We're right here. And so I drove down, visited some friends in Houston, drove, drove back up to here and, uh, and stuff like that. So it was about a week there. There's several places in the U.S. that have very good dinosaur bones, dinosaur tracks, and... Um, uh, a wide variety of things, sometimes mammals, things like that. What's unique about the Glenrose site, Glenrose, Texas, is there are human and dinosaur tracks in the same layer. The evolutionists hate it. Anyway, that's their problem. The evidence shows creation, that we were, that we were created. Uh, actually, because there's some, maybe some people here who have never heard creation theory, let me just give you one more evidence. In Genesis, it says that before the flood, people could live for over 900 years. That's what it says, right? It doesn't say 900 months. It says 900 years. Adam lived to 930. Methuselah lived the longest, 969. There's actually a whole series of names that are there showing over 900 years. Is, tell me, is there any scientific evidence that in the pre-flood era, the prehistoric era, that humans could have lived over 10 times longer than we live now? Actually, there is. Okay, humans, once we reach adulthood, we stop growing. Our skeletons stop growing. We may grow in other ways. But... Our skeleton stops growing, okay? When you're 40 years old, you're not taller than when you were 20 years old. If you lived to be 100, you still would not be taller. Uh, if you could theoretically live to 500, 700, 900, you still would not be taller than when you were uh, 20 years old, right? But did you know that some life forms keep growing their entire lives? The longer they live, the bigger they grow. So being scientifically thinking people, let's look in the fossil record. Do we see any evidence of creatures that used to grow to be 60 feet tall or long, 80 feet, 100, 120, 150 feet long? The dinosaurs are not evidence the Bible's not true. The dinosaurs are further evidence the Bible is literally true. Giant alligators, giant turtles, giant... It's just amazing what you see in the fossil record at some of the museums. This is evidence that Genesis is true. If we live 10 times longer or 12 times longer in the pre-flood era... 
Today, if you get to 90, you're doing good, right? But they live to over 900. Imagine the things you could discover. Imagine the things you could do, what they could have done. If there was an Albert Einstein or a Nikolai Tesla or someone else uh, with that had seven or 800 years. Anyway, we'll, we'll get into that another time. Okay, uh, next slide, please. Okay, so we, this was done under the Creation Evidence Museum. This is Dr. Carl Baugh. This is a uh, kind of a three-story, two-and-a-half-story uh, museum inside. It's not as big as the museum in Kentucky. In my opinion, this is just as persuasive or better. It's a very, very good museum because every single exhibit makes a point, makes, makes a point for creation theory and that evolution, evolution just didn't happen, never happened. Okay, uh, so uh, next slide, please. He's got all kinds of things. He has a biosphere that he bought from the U.S. Navy and brought it and installed it. This is the outside. This is huge if you see this table, how big this huge thing is. And this is the inside. Uh, it is still being worked on. It is not uh, um, pressurized yet. Uh, in the pre-flood world, we have evidence. You remember in Jurassic Park how they had the mosquito and the blood and stuff like that? Well, there's also air bubbles in the amber and stuff from the, before the flood. And it shows there's about 50% more oxygen in the air. We don't know why. So instead of it, we have about 20% in the modern world. There's about 30% in these air bubbles in amber. And so if, if every time you took a breath in, you got 50% more oxygen your whole life, how would, that, how would that affect you? And also, there's evidence there was greater air pressure. Uh, it's a long story. I don't want to go into details. But basically, he wants to try to simulate the pre-flood atmosphere and raise some plants and uh, other creatures in here and then see how they do, see what happens. So, okay, uh, next slide, please. So uh, this is Dr. Baugh, Dr. Carl Baugh. Uh, this is downstairs. I, I can't describe it, and I'm not giving you a tour of the museum, uh, but uh, this is kind of we're on one side in the downstairs area. This is Lawrence Tisdall. He's from Quebec. He was giving talks both to us in English, and then also he videotaped some things in French, uh, that he was doing for uh, Canadians and stuff. And so Lawrence Tisdall then is, is giving a talk, How to Debate an Evolutionist and Never Lose. He's really good. You've got to be quick because once the evolutionists realize you're answering the questions and that you're giving logical answers, because uh, when I lived in Berkeley for five years, th then they immediately go, next question, next question. Yeah. Ne next question, they want to interrupt, interrupt, interrupt. Anyway, so you've got to be quick. And Lawrence is quick at it. <laughs> they get so upset. Fear God and keep his commandments. The Bible really is true. Okay, next slide, please. So this is from Lawrence's talk. This is just one slide. We had so many excellent presentations. So creation theory answers perfectly the requirements for, for being a scientific theory. It's refutable and it makes predictions. Uh, when someone says, oh, evolution can't be questioned, well, then it's no longer a scientific theory. If it, then it becomes a religion, okay? But our theory can, can be... People can try to refute it, can refute it. There are some odd fossils. There are some odd fossils that have been found. Okay, so you, and you have predictions. And then scientific arguments. So you have sudden appearance in the fossil record. You have species, uh, irreducible complexity. Um, and there's lots, lots of evidence in this. But this is just part of his talk that he was giving to us. Okay, next slide, please. Uh, so this is me. I'm going to pass around a book. Uh, Oh, my goodness, what happened? The, we found the missing link. Oh, wait, that's me. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, so this is a book that, uh, this is the Chinese version. So uh, Dennis Peterson, who's just walking into the screen, I'm going to show him again on the next thing. 
Uh, he wrote a very good book called Unlocking the Mysteries of Creation. And um, uh, it's, he got it translated into Romanian, Russian, Chinese. I'm going to pass this around. Uh, I need this back. If you need it, if you have a Chinese Christian friend, then please talk to me afterwards. But let me pass this around so everyone can see it. Um, we're trying to get more things out in other languages. The world is being destroyed. Evolution leads to atheism. Atheism leads to communism. Communism leads to people being enslaved. Okay? And so it's just one, one way in the modern world that people are being uh, pushed under because they say, oh, there is no God to answer to. And so then there are no rules. There's no rules in it. So anyway, uh, next slide, please. Dennis, uh, Dennis Peterson, he's in his mid-70s, late 70s. Uh, he's down in Texas now. I knew him. We were both living out in California. He brought, actually, I think, 50 copies of his new book, Seven Keys to uh, Discovering Genesis. Uh, let's see, what does it say? <laughs> Whatever the full title is. And he, so, he, so that everyone at the conference could get a, get a free one. All, so, as I said, so many of these people are getting up there in years. We've got to preserve this information or we're going to lose it. Next slide, please. This is Tim Horton, Dr. Tim Horton. Uh, he's up in Montana. They have a creation ministry up there, and they had a big conference actually in May, so follow, subsequent to this, but before now. And um, so he's got some very good evidences that they are finding because there's a lot of dinosaur things up in Montana also. Next slide. This is Mike Mueller. Uh, I don't remember where he is from. Is he from Montana too? Oh, you remember that. Okay. He, was he with Tim Horton? He was. Okay, okay. And so he had his own, own talks about, about things. I'm not going to go into the individual talks. We had about 20, 18 or 20 talks in the conference. Next slide, please. Uh, Cindy Lincoln. Okay, Cindy does, is very good at giving um, presentations, and uh, she's very funny, and uh, so she gave, she gave us a talk and, and uh, discussed evidences that she felt were important in how she tries to persuade people, and I request prayer for Cindy. Cindy has had some real difficult personal issues the last few years. Please pray for Cindy Lincoln, okay? Uh, next slide. Uh, these three folks are from Branson, Missouri, where they have recently opened a creation museum. They have a small one, but they're building a bigger one now. And um, this couple's names, I don't remember their names, and this is their assistant. And so they came and talked about what they're doing in Branson, Missouri. Next slide, please. Uh, Dave Prentice from uh, New Orleans, if I recall. And uh, he has a website, and he's saying originsresource.org. He has all kinds of free things available for people to to download and use in schools or uh, in Sunday school classes or wherever they want to use it. Uh, next slide. I'm, I'm not showing you everybody. I'm just kind of... This is Joe Taylor, a very funny guy. He started out as an artist and uh, kind of a hippie uh, back in the 70s. And yeah, no, there were people like that. There were. <laughs> and uh, he did art, not just painting, but also um, uh, molding and stuff like that. So he's become one of our experts in molds and casts of dinosaur bones and also tracks that are found. And he brought a 20-foot-long, about 20-foot-long tylosaur and donated it to Dr. Bob's museum. It's, uh, it's a sea creature, uh, sea creature that was found. And so, uh, anyway, Joe's a, an interesting character. He has his own museum in West Texas in uh, Crosbyton. It is, it is closed right now. Uh, Joe's up there in age also. Next slide, please.
Okay, John and Kristen from upstate New York, and they are trying to start a museum in upstate New York. Uh, separate from that, they're giving talks, and uh, the slide in the background behind uh, John and Kristen shows what a uh, dig can look like. In the movies, you see digs look exciting, and oh, we just discovered something. I'll tell you what, between the mosquitoes and the heat, oh my goodness, it, it's sometimes... It's not that much fun. It's not like you see in the movies where they're discovering stuff. But I'll show you that in a few minutes. I have a few more slides here. Uh, okay, Kristen actually gave the main talk uh, after, after John made uh, uh, comments about several things. Next slide, please. She, her talk was about savants. Now, uh, the, one of the most famous in the world is this man, Kim Peek. Do you remember uh, Rain Man, the movie? Uh, that was inspired because this man, if you tell him the date... The day you were born, he'll tell you what day of the week it is, that it was, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever it is. They're, they're called a savant. Their minds work differently, this, the re, uh, differently than most people. The reason this is important is because we're not going up. We're going down. Adam and Eve were geniuses compared to us. We are 200 to 250 copies down from the original model. We, our, our eyesight's getting worse. Our, I mean, every, everything, uh, viruses are increasing in the world. I mean, there's so many things that, no, we're not going up. We're, we're trending down. But there are some people who have these very special gifts. It's like, what were our minds originally capable of? I mean, we, we don't know. But it's just very interesting. Again, it's another evidence for creation because of evolution. How could you have someone who's above us in other ways? But he's very, um, uh, you could say autistic kind of. But that's maybe not accurate. Okay, Nina's shaking her head, so I guess I, I'm not using it completely off, off word. Okay, so okay, uh, so in 15 core hours, next one, please. Uh, did you know C.S. Lewis was partly a savant? I didn't know that. He's an author, Christian author from uh, 20th century. Uh, Lewis asked him to select a book from his library and give him the book title and the page number. So he has someone go, and he tells him the book and the page number. And as soon as he did, Lewis started to recite the page. Isn't that stunning? There's some people who can do that. There's some people who can remember everything in their lives. I mean, remember everything, everything that they've done. Isn't that incredible? Uh, say again. And uh, rather than savant, okay, neurodiverse, and that that's probably better because it's not that they're uh, disabled. I mean, obviously he's very functional, uh, completely functional. But um, uh, some of these people are just brilliant in what they can do. Next slide, please. I have two more here, just uh, because I found this a very... I had not heard a talk on this related to creation theory before. So this was a man uh, from Vermont, 100, what, 200 years ago. Uh, he was asked by a priest when he was age nine to multiply, uh, what, 365, comma, comma, this number. And in less than a minute, he came up with the correct answer <laughs> with no paper. That was the answer, to multiply this number by itself, in other words, that number squared, and after less than a minute, he came up with the right answer. See, I'm doing good with two plus two myself, okay? Wait a minute, don't tell me. Uh, four, 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 four. I got it, I got it, okay. Anyway, but uh, he also developed a new method for calculating the moon. It took one moon rise that took much shorter time. Isn't that amazing? And he was a Hopkins Observatory. So these people have been down there uh, through history. Next one, please. Okay, last one. The, she had a whole series of people. This young man, Orlando Sorel, if I'm pronouncing it right, uh, in 1979 at age 10, he was hit 
on his head with a baseball. And, but rather than, uh, well, he acquired abilities. After the headaches, after he, the damage done, he could remember the weather, where he was, and what he was doing every day since then. So he has become a savant. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? We don't, we don't know how that happens. We don't, we don't know how that is. And he could also calendar calculate. I mentioned Kim Peek, how you could tell him what day you were born or some day in history, and he'll tell you what day of the week it is. And so that's this gentleman. Okay, so anyway, it was a very interesting talk. Uh, the neuro, what's the word? Neurodiverse neuro persons. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, let's see, Bruce, uh, Bruce Malone has been going out to uh, countries in the South Pacific and South America and teaching them creation. One of them that I thought was very funny, and I'm almost done here, so Andy's going to take over here, uh, is he takes a coffee can and he takes apart a, bulb, a regular pen and puts the spring in the inside, the outside, he put the, puts everything in there, and then he shakes it all up and he says, according to evolution, if you, shake, if you add energy, it should make things more complicated. And then what he does is he switches coffee cans and he takes the other coffee can. There's a little hole in the top and he puts a firecracker in it and puts it down in there. And when the firecracker goes off, then he pulls out the pen. And of course, everyone laughs. Everyone knows that's not true. So when we're thinking logically, no, evolution can't, can't ha you can't have the Big Bang Theory would not have produced complexity and the world, the light follows laws. Gravity follows laws. That indicates a lawgiver. Anyway, Bruce Malone, is, uh, he's got some excellent seminars. I'm going to be helping him with translation uh, in the next year or so. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, okay, so uh, one of the reasons, as I said, Glen Rose, Texas is famous is because you have human and dinosaur uh, footprints in the same layer. Some of them cross each other and... Jesse, Jesse Fuller is trying to call Andy. I'm going to hit volume down, okay? Sorry. Uh, okay, so, uh, so this is one, uh, and like I said, the evolutionists hate this site. So here you have a dinosaur print stepping on what was a human print uh, there going across, stepping on it. And you can tell they've done, uh, not on this one, but on some of them, they'll do a cross section and cut it and then look for the folds in the mud to prove, no, this was not carved out. This was actually done in, uh, in mud. It was impressed it, in, into it. Okay. Uh, so anyway, there's several like this. And like I say, they, the evolutionists just hate this. Uh, next slide, please. Okay. This would be a typical... This is on the Paluxy River. This is where we were digging. There are actually two layers that are of interest to us. So here's your ground layer. You're going down about 12, 15 feet. And here's one of the two main layers. And then there's another layer down here, about, what, three feet down below it, two and a half, three feet down below it. Uh, I can give anyone a copy of these slides if, you, if you'd like, by the way. I see a couple of people taking pictures. That would be fine. And, and I will have these on my webpage, hopefully, with Lord willing, within a month or something. But um, anyway, we didn't, the only thing we found this time is uh, some dinosaur tracks. It was like four tracks, and it was... Over here in this area on this lower layer. But both of these layers, so they're going back. Here's the Fluxy River. The way this was found in, I think, the 1880s, 1890s, is that you'd have a major flood, and then it tears out sections, and then people would see these dinosaur prints or human prints and go, why is this here? So this, this whole layer could extend for miles. Nobody knows. Uh, creationism is, is so poorly uh, financed. We, we don't have the money to do anything, but this is exposed. And so they bring it out. 
Also, what about the limestone? What, what is it you're saying? Yes. To embed. Um, yes, you're right. Okay, so it had to have been mud. It had to have been soft when it was embedded and then later became hard. So, what were we going to say, Bob? Right, right, yes, yes. And so, uh, during the flood, so uh, as creationists look at this, during the flood you had animals and humans running in every direction trying to escape the flood, trying to get away from uh, the impending doom actually that was happening. And then a new layer might be washed onto it, another layer. Sometimes dinosaur bones are buried and then reburied and stuff. Uh, next slide, please. So this is the same, this is the same thing, but it's from the other angle, from the other side looking, looking at it. And this is, you're seeing, it's a very slow work. It is very, very slow digging, digging this. You're not using shovels and pickaxes and stuff. No, you're using brushes and little trowels and stuff because you don't know when you might hit something. You don't know when there may be something that uh, is you're going to want to say. Next slide, please. And this is a good top-down view of two different dinosaurs, their paths crossing. Okay? Or actually three, three different dinosaurs. Okay? Then there's something here. Okay? So uh, one gentleman had brought a pretty good drone, and then we were able to get some really good aerial footage looking straight down and then following the tracks. Now, it, if you were, let's say you were digging here, and you found, so let's say, this print here. Well, then you could start to figure out, okay, where is, what's likely, and then you could find the next one, both ahead and after, after it, because you, then you, you can predict, particularly once you get two or three or four or something, and uh, see where, where they're going. So, uh, that's something different. Yes? Looks like who had one foot? This one, this one you mean? Well, oh, well, we added water to these. There, there might be a, a print missing, like right here, or that it was not uh, filled in to make it highlight it. Looks like, okay, I'm not sure, but, okay. So anyway, oh, and then unfortunately, at different times, people have cut out prints and sold them. That happened during the Great Depression. There were famous prints that were cut out and sold. And so you have things that then uh, get, uh, um, you, you know, so it's lost. You know, sometimes that hasn't happened here, but sometimes evolutions will come with hammers and they'll destroy things. They've done that with Indian petroglyphs and pictographs where a human will depict a dinosaur. And it's clear it's a dinosaur. It's a dinosaur of some kind. And they will, they, will, they will just come and destroy it. Humans could have never seen dinosaurs. And so they'll just destroy it. And that, that happens commonly. Uh, we're talking about people who want to hide from God. Evolution is not a scientific theory. It is a mental hiding place from God. Uh, let's see. I'm almost done. Next slide, please. Uh, so this was our classroom area to show you. And uh, so this was the front that I showed you before, Dr. Baugh and Lawrence Tisdall. And so there was about, like I say, about 30 of us. And... Uh, we gave out all kinds of stuff. We had copies of the Jesus film that we gave out. Had all kinds of tracts, several books, 
uh, lots of things. And like I say, it was a very unique meeting because it was a creation leaders conference. We had uh, Brian Thomas from Institute for Creation Research there. Um, I mentioned the video from Russia. That was Dr. Lalamov from Moscow. Uh, from Australia, we had a video from John Mackay. Um, very interesting guy. When, when I was living in Berkeley, I just want to mention John Mackay. I invite, when I lived in Berkeley, I was inviting creationists to come. M- most of them wouldn't come, the people who I invited, because it's a, it's a knockdown, drag-out situation. Uh, Kent Hovind came. If you know Kent Hovind, he came and he loved it. He loved the battles. Uh, John Mackay came. John Mackay's problem was he was too civilized. He would uh, begin to answer their question or their challenge, whatever, and as they realized that he's answering their question, they'd immediately ask another question so that he could not give a full answer. And then, then they realized he's answering that, and they give another question. So, uh, Now, I'm going to turn it over to Andy. Uh, any questions you have of me? So this is a week long, and uh, we had a good time. Uh, John and, uh, see, there's John and Kirsten. I can recognize them from the back. And uh, they said it was a blast. And so, uh, Jim, it's oh, as I showed in the first slide, it's west of Dallas-Fort Worth, so west of there, Glen Rose, Texas, is the town. And so, the reason it's there is because the Paluxy River is there, and so you can drive a half mile or quarter mile and get to this. And as I pointed out, some of these dinosaur tracks, it could be that if you go straight down anywhere in that area of Texas, if you were able to go down about 15 feet. You might find more tracks. In fact, it would probably be likely. I don't know. Yes, Charlotte? The last slide you were discussing, uh, since that was limestone, and limestone had to be soft, so would you say he was in a dead run, that dinosaur? Gee, I don't know, uh, because you have the ga- various gates of uh, these creatures. Uh, one of the things that's interesting is you see almost no baby dinosaur prints anywhere, and we don't know why that is. Uh, unless they just couldn't keep up or they would have perished very quickly. Uh, Dave, can you go back like two or three slides, please? Uh, is that the one we were talking about? So, uh, like this one here? I don't know what that is. They've been able to try and identify s- some of these, and I, but I don't know what kind it is compared to this this one here. So... Oh, uh, well, here's, uh, here's two people. So that shows you, uh, it's probably about this big. What do you think? It's less than his shoulders, but it's comparable. Pretty good-sized creature, whatever it was. Yes, Debbie. Well, that book that you were passing around is in Chinese, right? Yeah. So would that be a dangerous book to have over in China? Because, it's, again, it's refuting, it's ultimately it's refuting atheism. Right, but they haven't made that connection. And so what's interesting, which is, a, that's a very good question. What's interesting about that is I've had Chinese friends tell me, in China we can question evolution, but we can't question our leaders. In America you can question your leaders, but you can't question evolution. Isn't that funny? Oh, wow. And so they can actually discuss creation. Uh, now, if it, it's going to lead to God, and they don't like that at all, because obviously if it's creation, then you have a creator. Uh, Xi Jinping, yeah, I read a bad article about him. Yeah, well, that's just human te- tendencies. Remember the Garden of Eden, you shall be as gods, right? That's a temptation. People like power. People like uh, being, being, uh, having, having that ability. Uh, we, we know of several abuses by police. 
People like being in a position of power. It's just part of human nature. Nina? Uh, one of the big things we like to get out is creating security. Yes. Right, right. And now, with the changing jargon, uh, when someone gets so active, we present the creation theory as science, even though we know origin, we know pure ability to create it. So, so the, the general population now seems to be confused. Right, uh, as we're able to present it. Uh, obviously, we're at a point where we're losing our culture because we're forgetting that we answer to God. Uh, people, as people forget that. Yes, You're emphasizing the creationism being proven by science where yeah. before they were just saying, oh, you can't believe in creation because it's a spiritual religious thing. But the whole emphasis here, right, is that yes, it can be proven. The science shows it just fine. Like they don't like that at all. Yeah. Um, I could give you lots of examples. Uh, actually, let me, when, when I, I'm going to jump back to Berkeley and then I need to finish and, and turn it over to Andy. When I, Berkeley's the kind of town where you can People can be talking at different tables at a cafe, and you start a conversation up, and you join them. And that happened sometimes when I was there. And, uh, you know, there's a verse that says, always be prepared to give an answer for the faith that is within you. And sometimes they'd be discussing, is there a God or something? Well, what can I do? I've got to join their conversation and start talking. Yes, I believe there's a God. And they'd, they'd take offense at that, but they'd listen, and then I'd start talking about the, the fact that we're 99% of the fossils. In the 1960s, the British Museum published a three-volume book of all the hominid fossils that had been found up to that point, about 4,100. It's called The Catalog of Hominid Fossils. It's still in many university libraries. It's three volumes. The Americas, uh, Eurasia, and Africa. It's three, three big volumes, 4,100. Uh, it's almost never quoted. It immediately became an embarrassment to evolutionists. The reason is over 99% are humans. They're regular humans. There's no, now there are 1%, less than 1% of odd ones, and we know that today. Ride a city bus sometime. There's people under 5 feet tall, over 8 feet tall, right? I mean, there, there's huge variation within the human genome. And so if you select less, you take your sampling from less than 1%. Anyway, so I would, I would um, join in these conversations and not try to be antagonistic, but I'm not backing down when, there, when atheism is a hiding place from God. And um, sometimes they get really angry. Now, uh, what, what they're about to challenge me with, I've already won, and they don't know it yet. Are you a scientist? Okay, that's what they'd say. I go, no, my degree's in history, in the social sciences, and I emphasize social sciences just for fun. So this happened lots of times. Have I ever used this example here with, with you guys in church? Okay, anyway, this happened several times. Well, that doesn't count. You need to be a scientist to talk about science. They just get really angry, and I said, well... But my degree's in the social sciences, in history. No, that doesn't, you need to be a real scientist. Uh, okay, well, let me ask you. <coughs> uh, if my degree was in theology instead of in the social sciences, and uh, would that make me more or less qualified to talk about scientific matters? And they immediately jump in, less. And I say, well, Charles Darwin's only degree was in theology. So if you want to throw out everything Charles Darwin said, who am I to argue with you? Now, of course, they're going to get even more angry at that point, but it's like, so beat me on the evidence, not on a piece of paper. And uh, like I say, they get really angry. You're hiding from God. They're hiding from God. It is destroying our culture. Uh, I'm going to jump to something, the current events. Uh, in Texas, the uh, crazy young man, he believed he doesn't have to answer to God, right? 
if you die, if someone goes out in a hail of gunfire and they die, and then they think it's all over, that it's all done with. This didn't used to happen in America. 1999, 98, that was the first one, Columbine, right? I mean, now it's becoming, it's just out there. Because on the inside, who we are, our culture, we are forgetting that we will answer to God in the next life for what we do. It, so this atheism has an effect. Beliefs lead to actions. I'm going to jump. I lived in Japan for five years. The kamikaze pilots, they believed they were doing a good thing when they would kill themselves ramming into an American ship. If 100 million people believe something, that was the approximate population of Japan during World War II, if 100 million people believe something, does that make it true? Not necessarily. It might be, might not be. Just because people believe something. If a billion people believe you get 70 virgins when you die if you blow up 1,000 innocent people, does that make it true? Not necessarily, right? I, I'm, I'm sorry, I know, I know I'm jumping around, but beliefs lead to actions. Evolution is a way, it's a very subtle way. Remember, the serpent was more subtle than the beast of the field. I need to finish here. I'm way over my time. But um, uh, the, um, I, I mean, what people believe, it, the reason our culture is being undermined and now people are going, oh, we need to make it so people can't defend themselves and all kinds of stuff like that, like that's the answer. Well, there's another way to look at this. Why don't we restore the foundation of what we're putting inside our children that we are created in God's image and that we go back to God. Yes, this life is unfair. Yes, there's many things that happen we cannot control. But we, we, we answer to God. The first commandment, the second commandment, love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not love Mother Earth, Gaia, and all that kind of stuff. That's important. The environment's important. No, love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Every society has failed at that, including America's. We know that. That's part of history. Everybody's imperfect. Uh, any other last questions? Andy, you, you, we haven't, you haven't talked yet. You coming up? Bob, you said we could take more than 20 minutes, remember? Okay. Did you want my pointer? No? No, but I was going to point out, oh, from back there you can't really see their people. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, there's two people. Yeah. We're looking straight down at them. Yeah. I was hoping I was over here because we dug this. A couple of us dug this out right here and, and because there should be a footprint right here. But there's not because somebody's come along and cut it out. Maybe. And then the previous get slide, the previous slide, Dave, is also maybe you're in that one. I don't know. Can you go back one? Are you in that one or no? No, I'm not looking for myself necessarily, but. <laughs> oh, wait, that's not him. I think that's another one that was that's cut out. That's a different out. guy. That's a different guy. Yeah, but that was cut out here, too. Yeah, then, we uh, the, the previous the, slide, slide before that gives a big overview. Yeah. The, so that's most of us. Yeah, what we did was the tracks, the tracks run all the way down through here. But what we did was we drained all this out, and they were two really nice. I'll show you. I've got a couple of pics. I'll show you. But we drained all this out, and, and then by the end of the week, it was dry, and then... Once it was dry, we went through just with water and a paintbrush, and we brushed them just so they'd highlight, and then they shot them with the drone so you, you could see them. And, you, yeah, thanks. Yeah, this – see, this is, a top, this is a top layer. Actually, that's not a top layer. It is down, that's actually not. But anyway, they, what they did, I think it was um, – was the founder, the director, that pretty much did that by himself. Dr. Ball? Dr. Ball. He, was he, back in the 80s or something? Yeah, he was the one who somehow cut this layer of rock 
And as you can see where they, they just slid the pieces of the, of the limestone just off into the riverbank. Yeah. Some of that's saw cut, and then they used jacks. They, they dug underneath. They dug the sedimentary, the, the dirt out right here, and then they put jacks under there, and they jacked it up till it cracked. And then they, they created these rollers. And so they just pried, and they rolled, rolled them down into the riverbanks there. But there are tracks that are actually in the river, too. That if you have a drone, that's right. I, did that's you? Right. I don't know if they got I, pictures of those with their drones. Uh, yeah, 1970s. It was the Taylor Trail, but I, I, um, Taylor, I have, the, I have those, but I didn't bring them today. So, yeah. how do you well, they've done cross cuts where you'll have a print and they'll actually saw it in half, and then you can see how the the mud was compressed. That it, that it actually goes down so successively so that the, the prints, that's, that's the way you can tell rather than that it was actually carved. So you can tell that in the strata. So, yeah. Right. Say it again, Nina. Yes. But like I say, this particular site, because human tracks have been found also, uh, they, they ignore it. They, they don't like it. There's a Native American site completely different up in New Hampshire that I worked on once a couple of weeks for a couple of weeks. This is over 20 years ago, and they ignore that one also. It's kind of funny how they're selective on what sites they like and don't like and then want to say, ah, oh, here's, here's the science. It's like, well, what about all this evidence? What about these, these things? So, Andy, what else you got? Oh, uh, i got to switch. I can't remember. I don't know which one that's on. Yes? Oh, good question. Uh, yeah, Dr. Ba has an agreement with the people who own that land to be able to do uh, work there. And uh, th we have to be very careful how we do things. Nothing can go into the river. I mean, well, limestone is natural, but you have to be very careful that we don't... don't uh Seriously? And then what? No, what? we well, just have to switch HDMI then. Wait a minute. Let me get rid of this. There's a uh, there's a good site in. It's either Turkmenistan just, or Uzbekistan uh, that also has human up. and dinosaur tracks in the same layer. Uh, my friend Dennis okay. Swift good. Uh, went there about 25 years ago. You can't go there anymore because of Al Qaeda and and stuff like that because it's too dangerous for you Americans could, to you go could there. Have there's Joe doing that piece. There's Joe. Oh, that Tylosaur, yes. Yeah. Did you want the pointer? It's no. You can explain how he got that here. Oh, and he had a trailer. He was actually in three <coughs> parts, wasn't it? I Something think so. Like that? It's a Tylosaur? Tylosaur, I yeah. think his name. It's a water water uh, creature. So, And the, the deer are watching him do it here. So, oh, Yeah. Never mind. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, it's a just a seaborne uh, creature during, like... One of the eras, like Jurassic era or something like that. This T Y L O S E U R. I thought it was funny. This is actually a, a campground, <laughs> but I thought if we're going to have dinosaurs, we might as well have some real big ones here, right? Oh, well, anyway, it was uh, it's, uh, it's part of the it's at the state park. They're not real, of course. 
It is, it is. Yeah, a couple miles there. away, yeah. Yeah. So this whole area, if you went down 15 feet, you might find all kinds of dinosaur prints. Nobody knows. It hasn't been hasn't been discovered or in human tracks, but maybe yes, Jim. Hmm, good switch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember anyone saying anything about that, Andy, this time? Yeah, they were. these were big people. These were very big people. The size of the feet were, I mean, it was just jump, just huge. Just huge. So pre-flood people, we, we, again, we're not going up, we're going down. Nephilim? The Nephilim? There may have been. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Um, that was, that's inside. That's. How about, but we all went inside the biosphere, and that was. You know, there was probably about what forty or fifty of us in there all together when it was all. Um, yeah, thirty. Yeah, yeah, all of us. So thirty, thirty-five, maybe. And then we sang. Yeah. Which was. Yeah. Well, they've actually done done it. You know, following. You got a, a novice following a professional here, so, so uh, it's kind of like was, when Nina and I would speak, Andy and I'd have to follow Nina. Help. It was like terrible. Andy was a huge help. But we we rented an Airbnb, and I was cooking breakfast, and uh, we survived somehow. So, ladies, thank you so much for coming. God bless you. Hope to see you again. Bye bye. They actually did an experiment with um, uh, uh, with fruit flies. Yeah. You remember talking about that? Um, they did a, they did an experiment in a hyperbaric chamber that they modified to be what they thought would be similar to pre-flood. Well, that's a giant one. Yeah, there's a big one, yeah. You know, this is more like the hospital-style hyperbaric chambers that they use. They've got a couple of those, too. But then they put these fruit flies in there, and they gave them the same veg normal vegetation that, that, that they would eat in the wild because they have a very short lifespan. And so... They, by the third generation, the, the fruit fries were living three times longer than the originals. So, because of, mainly because of increased pressure, increased oxygen, and that kind of thing. So this, what they're doing now is much more scientific. What I wanted to is get to, I, just got, I, I tell you what, um, Paul said so much. Yeah. Those are some, the, just some stills that I took, and you can get an idea. But um, what I really want, and then there's the team, and um, but I, what I really wanted to get, there you can see, that's me, there, we cleaned them out. Oh, that's them. underwater, isn't it? Is that in the river? No, that's, that was in a, just in that mud puddle that we dried up. Oh, okay, okay. So after the rain, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and then we did go out to eat. <laughs> anyway, what I did was like I, I, you know, I came in as I just when I saw Paul was going to this, I thought, man, I want to wonder if I could go, and so I jumped in on it. And of course, as Paul said, these are all professionals. They they bypassed all us low level guys, you know. But the one thing I realized was that most of us are low level people. We're not scientists, and yet, you know, and so there has to be some way an easier a really very fundamental way of explaining that the common person who who 
who can, because we just kind of accept. I think the world just, the world just kind of accepts evolution. Yes, ma'am. throw it out there. <laughs> I met this one guy. Um, I'm just going to pull him up here. This guy right here. This video is playing in the, on the TV using AirPlay. So that's Bruce Malone. He, um, okay. he, he, uh, he's written a book. <laughs> well, you'll... But I just just a fascinating individual who's donated his entire life to spreading the teaching of, of creation and refuting evolution. And he has he has um, Bruce Malone, Bruce M-A-L-O-N-E. Malone, M A L O N E. And um, anyway, here he is. Oh, hi, I'm Bruce Malone, and uh, it's been like using and loving and studying scientists as a research leader for Dow Chemical. Uh, when I was 49, I had probably spent the previous 10 years buying space in public newspapers, always creating a controversy. And my burden really grew as I watched decade after decade our culture um, becoming less and less Christian in its principles and the way it operates and its beliefs. And I had uh, come to realize it's the rejection of God's Word from the beginning as being true and reliable and, and uh, factual that's led to this pick-and-choose mentality of the rest of God's Word and our very behavior. And... Uh, I just put on my heart that it's time to do something about it. So for the last 15 years, I've been traveling and writing and speaking and teaching on the uh, evidence for creation. Uh, that that um, Every single uh, statement of God's Word is meant to be understood and useful and instructive. That uh, we're misinterpreting biology, misinterpreting geology, misinterpreting everything about the past, including God's very nature because we're leaving out what he told us about where things came from, and uh, specifically the worldwide flood that would have laid down the rocks and the fossils rapidly and recently. And when you leave out the flood, you misinterpret everything, and you misinterpret why death even exists. So I've uh, written eight books on the scientific evidence for creation. I've produced a, uh, an 18-part, 45-minute-per-lesson uh, video curriculum where I've filmed it on-site in the Grand Canyon and Science Museums Mount Rushmore, uh, Mount St. Helens, uh, Grand Canyon, all over the United States, looking at genetics and uh, anthropology and paleontology and fossils and geology and astronomy, just helping folks see the credibility of God's Word. And uh, probably the most exciting thing, over the last four years, I have been invited to bring science assemblies by qualified experts into public school systems of other nations. We actually went to every single high school, with the exception of a few Muslim schools in the nation of Fiji, leaving them with a beautiful, hard-colored, uh, every day of the year evidence for creation devotional, uh, which is read over and over again by the students, their peers, their parents, their neighbors, uh, affecting the thinking of a large portion of an entire nation. Um, it was such an effective method of evangelism. 
connecting who is this creator? He's also your savior, and the Bible is real. Uh, that he went on to do it in the Philippines, in Vanuatu, and most recently in Peru. So it is exciting to get the truth of, of what God has done. His mighty acts being taught from one generation to the next, as, as Psalm 134 tells us to do, uh, to so many people, and, and to be a part of that. So you have a blessed day, and thank you for listening. So I went around and I tried to get as many interviews like that. Just, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do kind of thing. I just shot them on my phone. And um, he may have been the most impactful to me. I picked up several copies of his newest devotional that just came out. And just because he goes deeper, he, he you know, in his devotional, he covers species, history, science, biology in his daily devotions. But he goes so much deeper that with it in it in the thought process, I gave it to gave one copy to a friend of mine um, who it tends to lean a little, you know, old earth. You know, he's a, he's a scientist himself and he's a, you know brilliant guy, but he actually told me uh, yesterday I was talking to him that it's actually was probably one of the most fascinating reads he's had in a long time, uh, and you know the way he approached things and the way that he that Bruce Malone went deeper. He gets his books printed, and you, you touched a little bit about this you, when she was asking about, um, I don't know what she was asking about, I forgot, China. Thank you, ma'am. And um, he gets his books printed in China because he gives most of them away, and he said they do a better job, and it's cheaper. And so since he's given them all away, but he has one section, one, one of his devotions was June 23rd, and it talks about the effects of... It's that's your phone, I think. No, that's back here. Oh, is it Marco Polo? And uh, he had one in June 13th. He has an effect on his devotion is on the effects of of uh, Darwinism and the origin of the species and and society today. And he goes on and addresses because if you if you go back to the origin of the species, that was that was Hitler's catalyst for what he did. That was Mao's catalyst for what he did. And, and, and so you could literally go back and identify as Planned Parenthood's, Margaret Sanger's That's catalyst. Right. Some humans are, quote-unquote, more evolved than others. That was and, the belief, and, yeah. And so it, you go back. To so don't you think there's a mixture? It's a catalyst, but like, say, traumatic childhood, you know, bad things, something happens, too, that helps teach, helps, and even anger. Well, there's all, I mean, there's always, you know, contributing factors, but I think you could still go back. And I like to, I started looking at, I started just making out a little chart and I thought, okay, creationism, Darwinism. And then, okay, and just, let's write down, what are the fruits of creationism? What are the fruits? What's the byproduct of Darwinism? You know, we can take it all the way down, we can take it all the way to school shootings. You know, in today's society, I mean, you know, and in, the, in Bruce Malone's devotion, he points out that that also points out that the more people have been vicious, we've been more people just viciously murdered and killed in the last 150 years than really in the history of the world. And you know, we had wars and we had we had wars and we had things and, you know, like 
the, the religious wars in, uh, in, in the past, and you can go all the way back to the wars of David and all the people that were killed and stuff. But, no, you know, you 150, 150 years, there's been more people killed in the last 150 years than there, and really in the history of, rec- you know, recorded history. And I think, like, is that about right, Bob? Through, through murder and just do, and death, yeah. So, anyway, this book, they sent this book to China to get printed. And they run it through a, uh, a word search or something. And he has a segment in there where he talks about how many people were, were killed under Chairman Mao, under Stalin, under Pol Pot, under Hitler. And they wouldn't, the Chinese wouldn't print that. They deleted that. So what he does when he sells his book, he puts even a little. Even though it's not for China, even though the book is right. not for China. Okay. You know, they do look at things. You know, they just run it through a word search and you know keywords and you know and look for that stuff. And so he he ended up uh, what he did was when you buy the book, there's a little insert with a label, and you're supposed to pull the label out and stick it so, in there. So what you do, what he did is he left that those two paragraphs blank. So there's a blank page, yeah. page on that page. Like a third of you the just, page just is just blank. In. There's nothing there. And then when you get the book, you get this thing, and here it tells you what page to put it on. So it makes it the most emphasized portion of the entire book yeah. that people see because you've got That's to right. insert this into your book because the Chinese wouldn't print it. And his, his, uh, his home, he's got a whole school curriculum. It's all free. Yeah, he has like, four, I think, 15 or 17 patents that he got through when he was with Dow Chemical. And he, he said he holds them, but he said, actually, I don't hold them. Dow holds them. But, you know, he was he and his wife's an engineer, and they're in a great position to just retire really, really early. And he's a brilliant guy. And I just was impressed with how these people just the love. The, the, also, not only were they brainiacs off the charts, but their love for the Lord was just so obvious. It was just cool. And 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 um, this is uh, these are the people I like these people, too. John these, and uh, Kristen. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, my name is John Adolfi, and this is my wife, Kristen, and we are from the Lost World Museum. We do real estate by day to fund our obsession with Yeah, they are definitely the most technologically savvy of the group. And they have the coolest shirts, too. If you want a really cool shirt, it's an ape, ape, aliens, or Adam across the front. So that's a book, that's a book that they wrote. And, it was, uh, and it's, it, you know, if you want the active we wear, they've got the cool stuff, too. Mm-hmm. They were the young, hip couple. you got to give it to them. Adolfi, A-D-O-L. And they're probably F-I. 60, but they were the young, hip couple. Uh, I don't know the most oh. recent one. It's um, Malone. Did I don't know. You, I've got. You want a copy? I'm gonna hook you up. Um, it's um. Oh, what is it called? I don't know. He, he it's not on his book. website. It's, it's new enough. They haven't even got it on their website yet. Um, Debbie, did you have a question? Well, I'm thinking oh. this book's sitting right there by my chair, and I. Can't. No. <laughs> Pardon me. Do I have yeah, his devotion? Not yet. No, no. I am organizing it now, so what? I'm still sorting out. I've got so much okay. data from these different things. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll yeah. make it happen. It will be. It will be online and free. 
Um, yeah, I lost my slides. There we are. <laughs> I go to a treasure hunt and uh, other places and buy cheap stuff to eat and things. <laughs> no, I I, uh, I um, for years now have been doing um, where I'll have a job for six to eight months as long as I have to, and then then I'll do creation until I run out of money, and then I'll find another job and stuff. I've been doing that for a long time. So uh, the Lord knows my needs. He knows um, what has happened. Um, there's not very many people who are working on translations. All, so many is in English. All the, oh, here's one thing. This is one thing that I asked for prayer on. All these museums are in the United States. These authors in the United States. There's very few people overseas. And I said, why don't we pray for a major museum in Europe, a major museum in uh, Asia, major museum in Israel, and the fourth one, it wasn't Africa, was it? Maybe it was Africa. But I was saying, we need a major creation presence on every continent, particularly Putin, he's going to bomb us one of these days. He keeps saying it. He keeps saying, he's, right? He's saying it. Yeah. And the guy's got the power. He's probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. But I want I want this stuff out. I want it. Uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. I want this stuff preserved, separate from us. As far as me personally, um, I have a low budget life. Uh, my house, I bought it at an auction. It's paid for. Woohoo! And uh, I mean, the Lord's blessed me that I just am able, I'm surviving, so, I'm, yeah, living life, so, but anyway, so, Debbie, did you have another question, or no, you, did I answer, we answer it? Yeah, she, we, I did. Uh, anyway, prayers, requests, yes, Steve. John Mackay, he sent me a videotape uh, uh, ahead of time, yeah. Yes, he, they have some very unique ones in Australia and then the Aborigines. Um, that's a tragic tale. Uh, the Aborigines in Tasmania were completely wiped out. Zero. Zero survived. Zero. And 120 years ago, uh, Australian Aborigines, they were killing them and then uh, sending the bones to the Smithsonian and other major things as missing links. They were human beings, and this was happening. There's been so much racism tied directly to uh, evolution and that, quote-unquote, white people are more advanced. And, um, you know, it fed into, you know, Hitler, we are the master race. The Japanese on the other side of the world believe they were the most evolved people. Uh, they claim they have the least body hair of people, and that makes them the most evolved. I mean, di- different people, the Italians under Mussolini, they believe, it's, it's, this is... What evolution has done, it, it's kind of like tailor it to us being the best and everyone else should answer. It's just a great way of not having to answer to right and wrong uh, and that they, they can kill people who, who they don't like. Uh, with the American Indians, that was very co- very common. Um, uh, 1860s, 1880s, uh, horrible atrocities happened because the Indians were um, less evolved or less... Uh, they were savages and, and things like that. Because they never believe. forged steel, they must be savages. If they what now? Because they never forged, never forged steel, steel. They, they must be savages. savages. Uh, Bob, did you have something? No. That's right. I don't remember his name. The St. Louis World's Fair, 1904. 
Yeah, uh, he was brought to the U.S. as a, he was a pygmy. They put him in a cage, a big cage with monkeys and stuff, and said used as a missing link. There's been some real atrocities on this. Um, God-fearing people have done bad enough, but when you, I mean, excuse me, what I mean to say is people who claim to be Christians claim to be of different faiths. But once you take God out of the equation, it's kind of like sin on steroids. I mean, the atheism just makes it so much worse. I've asked, uh, I can't speak on college campuses anymore, but when when I used to be able to do that, I would say, has anyone here ever heard that religious wars are some of the worst wars in history? They've all heard that, and they think I'm such a dummy for even bringing it up. But I like looking at their faces, you know. Has anyone heard that? They've all heard that. That's part of the regular teaching. Religion is bad. Okay, and I say, can anyone tell me when the worst religious wars were, the most murderous, the most torturous, the most evil religious wars in all of human history so far? Wasn't it the 20th century religious wars when the atheists came to power? They'd kill foreign armies and then turn around and mass murder their own people. So wasn't it the atheists? So therefore, by that measure, isn't atheism the worst religion so far developed? (laughs) They don't like that for some reason. But it's true. I mean, Hitler was not a Christian. If anything, he believed in the occult. That was Nazism and the occult. Uh, Pol Pot, they killed, what, one-third of the people of Cambodia? Uh, Pol Pot uh, in uh, Cambodia. He yeah. became he was a communist after, dictator. After we pulled out, and, right? And uh, he rose to power. Yeah, and then, uh, but he was he, he was educated in France. He was educated in Paris. He went to an advanced university, then went back to Cambodia and was able to take take over, take power, and it was just horrible. Uh, obviously, Mao Zedong. For me, what do you got, Andy? Uh, Jim Hoff. <laughs> Did you want to show part of Jim? Well, I had a quick Jim. Jim and then Jim, we should finish. We I've got actually like two more videos I wanted to show you. I to wrap up with one. But he was, um, gosh, he's another, um, he's an IT guy. Brilliant. Some of the math equations That's he did right. I don't, really, I don't remember away. where he worked. Did, he was, um, well, let's see what, what he says. Well, he'll tell us. He'll tell us. He should tell us. But um, he built two of the fastest, biggest supercomputers That's in, right. in the That's world. That's right. Yeah. And um, something else that. Oh, something that some kind of technology he developed that separates the fibers in a way that allows smartphone technology to, to communicate across platforms. Something yeah, I don't like remember, that. but it was something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just brainiac stuff. And um, Jim Hoff is his name. And I, I have uh, got involved with. Hi, I'm, I'm Jim Hoff, and my wife and I, I have uh, got involved with the creation evidence museum of. About three years ago, where we did a dig on July 4th, they have a public dig, and we uncovered a, uh, a, 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 a dinosaur, and right next to it, what looks like a human uh, footprint. And so that really got us excited. And so in the last few years, we've been helping the museum get started with a new lab, and we're uh, real excited. We've got, we're living right next door, and we hope to, to uh, be involved with that for till the Lord comes. So. What is your background? I'm a computer design engineer, work for Control Data Corporation, Lucent Technologies, uh, Elvis Computers in Israel for four years, and uh, so that's that's my thing is information. Yeah, there's a project here that you're specifically working on, is there? Yeah, well, we're working on the, the biosphere. We have, we're we're uh, equipping a lab with with uh, polarizing microscopes and scanning electron microscopes so that we can continue uh, finding these these, these fossil uh, uh, organic material that shows that, that they're not very old. 4,400 years old, not 65 million or more. 
<laughs> like I said, I was there with little old me with a bunch of brainiacs, but great, great people, just amazing people. Um, but I want Carl Baugh is 85 now. Uh, Walt Brown, who I'd invited from Arizona, he's about he's in his mid 80s also, and he, his health is not good enough. One reason I, I think I mentioned this before is I wanted to do this, get this done, get this recorded, because we're losing, we're losing people. Will Carbaugh be in good health a year from now? I don't, I don't know. You know, you get in your mid-80s and stuff. I know, so Did you have one, one last I, thing there, and then we yeah, kind of... Yeah, I got it. Uh, okay. I'm going to keep rolling here, but I've got... Uh, this guy, it's a little bit long. It's a little bit long. But um, uh, this guy has a lot of videos. He's got some kid videos, too, that he's done. Adventure Mike. And... Um, All right, <coughs> greetings. My name is Mike Snavely. I'm That's from right. Pennsylvania, at least for now. I grew up in South Africa. Uh, my That's right. That's right. My dad was a bush pilot, so that's where I grew up. And I uh, used to work for the National Park Service of South Africa. And uh, so my big thing had always been wildlife. And from the time I was a little kid, I was totally fascinated. So I had everything you can imagine in South Africa as far as bugs and pets and all that kind of thing, wild creatures. So I became totally involved with the idea of creation. Mike Snavely, S-N-A-V-E-L-Y. Mission Imperative. Mission Imperative. And um, he, um, yeah, I already got his, oh, I think most of his videos and, and then uh, linked them up so Jesse and the kids could see him in South Africa. But, you know, mm-hmm. but no, his, uh, we, I actually looked to say, well, is this something that Jesse could do? Because, you know, because he, he's getting ready to do one, but they're really pretty darn expensive. Because you're in, it's ten days long or something like that. They go to a lot of the, they go all over parts of South Africa and different regions and and. Um, but once you've done like what I just did, and being out there and seeing the dinosaur footprints, it brought everything to life for me. 
brought creation. And actually, you, you know, now when you drive down the road, you can look around in the landscape and you see evidence of the flood everywhere you go. Wow. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you see and the layers bent. And it's like, you know, you have 20 layers and they're all folded all together. They all had to be soft at the same time or that couldn't have happened. It wasn't a million years, million years, million years. They would have crumbled, right? No, they all had to be soft and we don't really think about it. So, But I do have one more i got to find. You just keep talking and stalling, okay? Okay, I'll try to, try to stall. Other questions? People have other questions? Yes, ma'am. You study in high school science? Good. And you're learning uh, about creation theory? Oh, just, where is my book? My book is near the back somewhere. My Chinese book? Okay, good. Okay, thank you. About dinosaurs? They are fascinating creatures. There is some evidence that there are dinosaurs alive today. In the Congo, in Africa. Congo is huge. We, we on the Mercator projection, we uh, see Africa is, appears to be a lot smaller than it actually is. It's like Africa is like two or three times the size of America if the projection was more accurate to size. The Congo is it's bigger than Florida. It's bigger than I mean, it's bigger than half the states in the U.S., uh, but it is so hot and there are so many creatures that can kill you there that very few non-natives go in. But there have been people who have claimed to see what appear to be small, like 20 feet tall, 15 feet long, brachiosauruses living in the water. They will uh, fight against hippos or other creatures because of domain or turf or whatever and also for the foods they like to eat. That's the claim. That's the claim. If you ask an African, for example, uh, you'll have an outline of a horse. They don't know what it is. You have an outline of uh, some other creature, uh, say a bear or something. They don't know what it is. You show them a brachiosaurus. They go, oh, from that part of Africa, excuse me. They say, oh, Mokili and Bembe. They know what it is because they've seen them. Okay. Someone else had a question and you, you were doing the last I'm, one. Joe I'm Taylor. Ready. I'm ready now. Whatever. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. So you'll have a layer of coal that they date as 400 million years old. Now, if you date that, you take it to a lab, and you don't tell them where it came from. They will date it, and it will date within carbon dating because it's, it's not hundreds of millions of years old. By theory, by carbon, the carbon, the radioactive carbon should have long since dissipated. Yeah, there are so many failings in, in the radioactive dating methods. There's so many. Yeah. Uh, you also had Mount St. Helens when Mount St. Helens blew. Uh, the new lava dome, which is, what, 40 years old now? that dates at a half a million to a million years old. It's not. It's 40 years old, the, the, the new lava dome that's in there. Okay. So, okay, so we this need to finish. We're way over time here. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, this is... I heard he went to 1230 last week, though. Did he? <laughs> um, <laughs> keep going. So, anyway, this is the last one. This is Joe Taylor, and he is truly right out of the Jesus movement. And I thought everybody in here would appreciate it. You know, a few of us would appreciate it anyway, at least. And, of course, he's the artist. Um... He was, he's the one who told me, you know, he's the one who did the, he used to do uh, these billboards to promote these uh, rock and roll stars. He'd do, he'd do billboards to promote new albums. He did, he's done the Stones. He's done um, Poco. 
he, he's done just a ton Larry of those. Norman, and he did the cover of uh, In Another Land for Larry Norman and knew him, knew him personally. And he was good friends with, uh, I believe it was the pilot that died on the, uh, on the Keith Green crash. And uh, in uh, in Texas, Joe Taylor. Joe Taylor, and he once played guitar with uh, John Denver. I don't know. Yeah, if that's right. That, <laughs> yeah, he's, done, he's had a very interesting, uh, really fascinating, really fascinating guy. So I wanted, to, I just got, wanted to capture an Im, uh, a video of him. But and he's the one that also told me he's because he'd never been he'd never been married. He says I had two girlfriends once. Uh, Larry Norman stole one of them, and Randy stole and sto Stonehill stole the other, and then Larry stole Randy's. And, that, and and so I thought, you know, he knew all these guys, you know, and he is interesting some of his insights. Oh, but um, let's let's throw this up here and see what we get. Oh. My name is Joe Taylor. I'm the founder of the Mount Waco Fossil Museum, the largest non-evolution working fossil museum in the country. We do everything from excavation, restoration, to research. We know a lot of people in the secular community, in the creation community. We supplied a lot of bones and other material to researchers who carved 14 soft tissue, uh, digs uh, of all kinds of animals. And I publish. We have a news, uh, had a newspaper for a while, magazine. And I've been responsible for a lot of major digs. I've molded the largest things ever molded in the dirt. The Waco Seven Death Mammoth site. I molded three three mammoths there, plus uh, a big candle, all still in the dirt. So that's been my specialty: is molding th difficult things in the dirt outside, like we did this week. And you have a long history in art. Yeah, I, I was born drawing, you know, and painting. I grew up on the farm, so I'm not afraid of dirt. I'm afraid of hard work. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur because my dad, you know, being a farmer in the 50s, you just have to kind of make things work sometimes. But he, I grew up in a religious home, a Christian home, a Pentecostal Baptist home. My dad was a minister. So I grew up knowing the Bible, reading the Bible, hearing the Bible talked about. But also rodeo, we had a lot of fun. You know, I had a very good childhood. And went to art school, which because I, I, I had too much hay fever to be a farmer. I wasn't smart enough to be a farmer. So they sent me to art school, which was great. So I graduated there on top of the class, pretty much, me and a couple other guys. And it went right into my career. Little time in the Army, went to New York, which was great, great education. During the beatnik-hippie days, you know, but not being into drugs, but looking like all those guys, opened a lot of doors. So it gave me a lot of knowledge and experience I wouldn't have had otherwise with a clear head. So with Los Angeles, all the whole hippie movement was going out there, the Jesus movement. So I got involved in that and became one of the early, the first Jesus people doing music and art and all that sort of stuff. My dad was in politics, so I've read every kind of book there is on conspiracy, politics. I researched anything. Somebody says the Masons, the Knights of Columbus, okay, I'll just get the book to go to the place and ask them. So I have a lot of knowledge. I, I started off with a red tarpist with my fossil work with atheists, real paleontologists, who respected what I could do and tolerated my uh, Christian beliefs because I was doing the same work they were. So that launched my career in paleontology. One person opened the door for another. You go to them and they oh, yes, Dr. So-and-so, oh, let me show you a paper. So I've got a great file of papers. And because I'm an artist, a sculptor, and a homemaker, 
I've been able to restore things, and so the universe says, yeah, yeah, do our stuff. And they tolerate my beliefs. And hopefully I have an influence on some of them. And you have a pretty big family. Quite a few kids? I, I have to raise a bunch of kids. Uh, one of them was here tonight. Mm-hmm. My son, Pat. <coughs> awesome. So, yeah, it's been a great life. Would have liked to have had a woman in the midst, but didn't work with the other one. So, uh, it wouldn't have been possible to raise all those kids with a woman around. You know, the kids' mothers would have never know. You know, so there's no jealousy, no any competition like that. So, it was a very, very experience. Wait, did, what's he talking about? He wrote a book about it. So my kids were allowed to do anything. They had fun. They painted, they drew, they played piano. Uh, they you know, fake fights and all that sort of stuff, had egg fights, and I had to finally stop it. You know, but we had a great life. So. Joe, thanks. It's really been a pleasure. Yes, yeah, sir. Enjoyed it. So, so apparently all his druggy friends and stuff who had kids, he ended up raising a lot of them. So he, so that's kind of the backstory. I think he said five, five kids that he raised, five or six, is all by himself. It's a heck of a guy, but I thought, man, this guy's just cut right out of the Jesus movement.